You're listening to Everybody Pulls the Tarp, the go-to podcast for high performers. I'm Andrew Moses. Each week, you'll hear my thought-provoking conversations with Olympians, pro athletes, CEOs, elite coaches, best-selling authors, and other high performers to uncover their secrets to success. Get ready to be inspired each week when we talk about leadership, teamwork, work ethic, and more. Are you ready? Let's go. Hi, everybody. It's Andrew. We're now 65. That's 65 episodes in. And each week, we've had conversations with some of the world's most successful people, including 10 Olympians. That's 10 Olympians who have won a combined 16 gold medals. In celebration of the start of the Tokyo Olympic Games, I thought it would be fun to look back on a few of my past conversations with Olympians and also play back some highlights from some of those conversations. Each of their stories have lessons we can all learn from and apply to our own lives. I can't wait to share a few thoughts with you. But before I jump in, a few quick items. If you are enjoying Everybody Pulls the Tarp, please let others know. Be sure to tell your friends about Everybody Pulls the Tarp on social media. And don't forget to tag me in your posts at andrewmoses123. And you can sign up for my email newsletter at everybodypullsthetarp.com slash newsletter. I'll let you know when new podcast episodes are available and share techniques and takeaways we can all apply to maximize our success and happiness. Okay, now let's get into the Olympic spirit. Over the last year or so, I've now had 10 conversations with Olympians from a variety of different sports. They've won a combined 16 gold medals and reached the pinnacle of each of their respective competitions. One of the things that has amazed me is how the actual training and skill development in each of their respective Olympic sports is just one of many, many pieces of the process in the grand scheme of getting to the Olympics. I've been amazed at the countless other activities and responsibilities many of these Olympians have to manage along their journey to the Olympic Games. Olympic fencer Monica Aksamet is a great example. With limited sponsorships in a niche sport like fencing and only $300 per month from the U.S. Olympic Committee, Monica could barely afford to pay her bills, let alone the costs of her rigorous training and travel. Instead of giving up on her dream of Olympic gold, Monica launched a crowdfunding campaign, and she built a community of supporters who helped her raise more than $30,000. Let's listen to Monica in her own words, when she told me about it a few months ago. So I fundraised money for the Rio Olympics as well as the Tokyo Olympics. Thankfully, I do have an equipment sponsor, which helps tremendously nowadays. So I fundraised money for Rio and I really hoped I wouldn't have to do the same thing for Tokyo after meddling. But I was literally in the same position of sponsorships. Sponsors really only truly care about you, most of them, uh, Olympic year. Otherwise, you're just that's it. Like nobody really cares. So as an Olympian, obviously it's not like I train one single year. I have to train four years at the least. Obviously you train prior to that, but you commit to Olympics four years before. So I do have an equipment sponsor, which helps tremendously. That is one of the more costly expenses. But I mean, there's also travel. Like We have eight World Cups in a year. We also have four national tournaments and all of these things cost money as well as training camps. So yeah, I mean, I've just built an amazing community online. 
So that helps, obviously. So I fundraised for Tokyo. That was a lot easier. That story actually blew up because as you said, like not mo- most people don't even know that this is the situation. I mean, I get paid $300 a month in the US Olympic Committee, which I mean, what does $300 cover like anywhere in the country, let alone in New York? Half of that money goes towards the subway for me to get to and from practice. Think about that for a minute. $300 per month. That's it. That's all the US Olympic Committee is paying Monica. Training to compete at an elite level is hard enough. What's amazing to me about Monica's story is all of the work she's putting in outside of fencing to raise money just for the chance to keep her Olympic dreams alive. What's also so powerful in Monica's story to me is the importance of building a community. Without that community, Monica's story is likely very, very different. Another conversation that stands out for me is one I had with U.S. Women's Hockey Olympic gold medalist, Amanda Kessel. I asked Amanda about her training regimen, and she called it a lifetime of work. What's unique about Amanda's situation is the fact that she's not playing in an organized professional league at all throughout the year. The result, most of her training program is self-directed and managed by her. She creates her own schedule, hires her own skating coach, and drives almost every single day to a rink all by herself. Let's listen back to what Amanda told me about her training. That's, yeah, the toughest part, especially for us. Like right now, I pretty much train on our, on my own. So every single day, it's, you know, me getting up, going to the gym, working out. And then I walk 20 minutes to my car. I get in my car. I drive 40 minutes to an hour and a half to a rink to skate, usually alone, maybe with a skate skating coach, come back to the city either go to acupuncture, PT, you know, then it's like you're fine-tuning your body at nighttime. It's an all-day, everyday consuming thing. This part of the conversation really struck me. I, for one, never really thought about this aspect of the training process for so many Olympians. When you watch from afar, you know that a lot of training and preparation goes into becoming an Olympic athlete, of course. But I hadn't really thought about it through the context of how much of it is completely self-directed and self-managed by the athlete in so many cases. When you aren't part of a structured program that someone else establishes and monitors for you, it's easy to skip workouts, sleep in, and do other things that are counterproductive to your plan. As an athlete, Amanda is basically launching and managing her own startup business venture. She has to create a plan and seek input from outside advisors. And in her case, skating coaches, acupuncturists, so many more are involved. Most importantly, she has to stay disciplined execute the plan, and navigate setbacks. Nobody is predefining a plan for Amanda or making sure she does what she's supposed to. It's on her to find the drive, determination, and resiliency to keep moving forward. When I have a big project or initiative on my plate, I break it down into bite-sized pieces. I focus on the next step, and then the next step, and so on. I also try to surround myself with people who will help hold me accountable and provide advice along the way. In many ways, that's what Amanda is doing. When I think about some of my other conversations with Olympic athletes, something else that really stands out to me is the fact that success is never as easy as it might look on the surface. Achieving a goal or any measure of success requires practice, repetition, taking risks, and getting outside your comfort zone. Every successful high performer has failed thousands of times. We just don't get to see it. An Olympic skater may fall a thousand times in practice working on a new skill. 
But if at the Olympic Games, they land that big jump, that's all the world gets to see. But here's to me where it gets interesting. What's been amazing to me is the way so many of these elite Olympic performers actually use adversity and failure as an important building block on their journey to success. For example, if you listened to my conversation earlier this season with Michelle Carter, you may remember that Michelle won the Olympic gold medal in women's shot put at the 2016 Games in Rio de Janeiro. She set the U.S. record at the event, became the first U.S. female athlete to win the event since the women's shot put competition began all the way back in 1948, even though she didn't medal when she competed in the 2008 and 2012 Olympic Games. She never, never looked at those experiences as failures. She told me they were an important part of the journey. Let's listen back to what Michelle said. Yes, because I know we all want to win, but sometimes we have to look at our circumstances and life happens and where you end up is where you end up. It doesn't always mean it was a failure. That just means it wasn't for you today, right? I didn't look at that sixth place as if I failed but I knew that I had to overcome a lot to even have this opportunity. And I was grateful for the opportunity because now I was able to prove to myself that I can fight through hard times. And so we don't want to really measure success off of the things that we get and then the things that we accomplish, but look at the personal milestones that you make along the way or the personal improvements or the character you build along the way. That's the real prize in success is who you become in the process while trying to be your best. Think about that for a moment. The real prize in success is who you become in the process while trying to be your best. So powerful. Michelle doesn't look at success as all or nothing. She looked at experiences where she didn't achieve the outcome she desired and drew positives from each of those experiences that she built upon and kept building upon as she moved forward. What Michelle is saying is that we all need to use adversity and setbacks in our own lives as a stepping stone. Take something positive from every situation. Learn something from every situation. Also, don't always measure yourself against others or goals that others set for you. Challenge yourself to take a situation and make it a little bit better today than it was yesterday. Now, the final topic I want to talk about is teamwork and the role that others play in our success. One of the most powerful observations for me on this journey, talking to many of the world's most successful people, is the way they celebrate the role others play in their journey. This is surely true for Olympians as well. You've heard me talk about my conversation with Tessa Virtue before, but I want to go back to it again because it is just so powerful. To this point, my conversation with Tessa has been the most listened to episode of Everybody Pulls the Tarp. And if you haven't listened to that conversation with Tessa, I hope that you do. But for now, I want to share with you a short clip. But first, let me set it up for you. Tessa Virtue is a three-time Olympic gold medalist from Canada and the most decorated figure skater of all time. And during our conversation, she absolutely beamed with pride as she talked about a team of 14 people who helped her, an ice dance partner of 22 years, Scott Moyer, win gold at the Pyeongchang Games. She said the world saw her and Scott on the podium, but there were countless people behind the scenes who played a role in their success. When I asked Tessa to share some of her tart-pulling moments, those little things that make a big impact on our success. She talked about the way she intentionally engaged those around her in the process. Let's listen into a clip of my conversation with Tessa. I think uh, recognizing and valuing the work put in by the 
you know, our team members or so our coaches, our support staff, our mental prep coach, our nutritionist, whoever it was, we really wanted to empower them to be their best, but also make them feel really special. And it's something, you know, when you're so caught up in a goal and you're, and you're striving for something, um, it can be all encompassing, but it can also be quite selfish. And it was really, really important to us to foster this environment that was positive and uplifting and this reciprocal exchange of energy um, because in fact then we got better coaching from those around us when they felt good about themselves you know and so it was sort of this cyclical nature and also just I think the sense of every day showing up to the rink and just thinking what can I do to make Scott's life better or easier you know how can I ease his workload how can I support him what does he need today? And he, and he did the same. So we put one another first, always. What strikes me here is how a sport that to the public eye looks like a team of two is really a team of so many more. For Tessa and Scott, there were skating coaches, sports psychologists, costume designers, and so many others pulling that tarp. And she told me that if one of those people didn't do their job, then she and Scott would never have been on the podium with a gold medal around their neck. Success truly takes a village. Every role is important. There's no task too small. Everything matters for Olympians, for all of us. Like many of you, I am so excited to watch the Olympic Games in Tokyo over the upcoming weeks. After the last year and a half and all the challenges the global COVID-19 pandemic has created, it will be a fantastic opportunity to see the world come together. Even though things will look a little bit different than they have in years past, there is no denying that one thing will be the same. Behind each of the world-class athletes that we'll be watching are countless stories of tireless work ethic, incredible discipline, and making the most of opportunities even when adversity strikes. So over the next few weeks, as Olympians from around the world awe us with their talents, I encourage you to think about everything that has gone into their journey and the people around them who have pulled the tarp and played a part in it. Even more importantly, I want you to think about all the people who helped you find success and thank them for pulling the tarp for you and for pulling the tarp with you. Enjoy the Olympics and keep pulling the tarp. That's it for season three. I can't wait to share season four with you. New shows will launch on August 12th. So be sure you are subscribed in your favorite podcast app. And remember, if you are enjoying Everybody Pulls the Tarp, please help me build a world full of tarp pullers. We're all in this together. Tell your friends about Everybody Pulls the Tarp on social media. Tag me in your posts at andrewmoses123. And don't forget, my email newsletter. You can sign up for my email newsletter at everybodypullsthetarp.com slash newsletter. And I'll let you know when new episodes are available. And also share techniques and takeaways that we can all apply to maximize our success and happiness. Remember, together, we can build a world full of tarp pullers. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you on August 12th. Thank you for joining me this week. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you can catch all of our upcoming episodes. And if you are like me and want a world full of tarp pullers, then leave a review to help others find us. You can also follow me on Instagram at andrewmoses123 and sign up for my monthly email newsletter at everybodypullsthetarp.com slash newsletter. I'll share tips and insights to help you achieve maximum success and happiness. Today is a great day to pull the tarp. I am rooting for you. See you next time.